0: We continue our series on the book of Philippians and, uh, with the theme of understanding joy and peace in whatever circumstance is before us, whether that circumstance is COVID or any other situation that comes before us. The passage that we're about to read read rather is um, an interesting passage when you look at the New International Version in the Bible and the subtitle, and I don't always look at subtitles, but this one kind of stood out. It said, do everything without grumbling. It's kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's almost like, why even bother preaching this one, right? Because we're only going to fall short immediately. Did you catch it? I just grumbled. I admit that I included that line intentionally in my sermon, but really that was one of the things that came to my mind as I was preparing for this. You see how easily it is to fall short in this area. So we're going to be reading from Philippians 2, verses 12 to 18. And before we read from that passage, let's pray together. Father God, this is a challenging passage because we do fall short in this area. We do grumble, we do complain so easily. And then we're about to read a passage that says, do everything without grumbling. And that's a high calling. Pour out your Spirit upon us as we read this scripture passage and pour out your Spirit as we try to understand what you are calling to us to and, and Why? Bless the preaching and our listening. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning we've already heard the story, uh, two stories of grumbling. We heard the story of the grumbling monk, and Sylvia shared the story of Mr. Uh, Grumble Well, the first grumbler or complainer, I'm going to use the word complaining and complainer, the first grumbler or complainer in all of history was the first man created, Adam. Genesis 3, verse 12, Adam complained to the Lord that the woman that God gave to him and put in the garden with him gave him that bad fruit. You can kind of, ladies, you can kind of blame the guys for starting off the complaining in this world, but if you do, you too will fall in the complaining category. And among many other complaining stories in Scripture, another one appears in Numbers 14. The Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron and against God for suggesting that they take over the land of Canaan with giants in them. Their consequence is that their complaints, on account of their complaints, it was another 40 years of traveling in the wilderness, and the people 20 years or older were not allowed to enter into the promised land of Canaan. You see, there's consequences to our complaining. Well, this phrase that Paul states here, do everything without grumbling or arguing, is in the context of another phrase. Work out your salvation. Paul begins with exhorting the people to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, last week, for those who have joined us uh, in last week's message from Philippians, we talked about a few athletic terms. And Paul continues to use the athletic terms in this passage as well. The word workout in today's language conveys a strenuous and a sweaty expectation. A workout is expected to be exactly that, hard work. Work out our salvation is not necessarily easy work either. And that is why Paul says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's not that we need to be afraid of God. But fear and trembling means that it's not necessarily going to be that easy for us either. And in this passage, pick up on the words. You, we are told to work out our salvation, we're not told to work for our salvation. Again, throughout Scripture, God's Word tells us that we are saved by grace alone. That we're not saved on account of our good works. We're not saved by simply being that good person that everyone loves. We're not saved based on how little we complain or argue. We're saved by God's amazing grace. Through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, thanks be to our God. We read it in the familiar verse that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by works. So the workout that we do is challenging, but the workout, in our workout rather, it is is like having the Holy Spirit as our spotter. In fact, it's even more than the Holy Spirit being our spotter. We have the Holy Spirit lifting the weights for us in our lives. Working out our salvation is our faith expressing the reality that God is at work in our lives despite any circumstance that we encounter. Through us working out our salvation, we are to be reminded that it's God working in us. As we read in In verse 13, where Paul proclaims, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God has this plan of salvation. It's laid out for his people. It's laid out for us. And our workout is made easier because God is working in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. Our workout is not on our own. It's never on our own. So when Paul uses the phrase, it is God who works in you, This word works actually means a little more. It means energizes. God is the energizer that drives us to do the things that we do for him. We don't energize ourselves. Our energy comes from God through the power of the Holy Spirit for God's glory. God is at work in us. And our words and our actions will reflect his powerful presence in our lives. Working out our salvation will reflect his energizing work in us. So while God is working in us, we are working out our salvation. And then it all points back to him. So let's go back to that section of complaining and arguing. When we're complaining and arguing, it's not a good representation of God at work in us. When we say that God is working in us, like we will tell people that we are believers, as Sylvia was saying too, we're saying this is what we believe, this is who we believe, and we say that God's working in us, and people look or listen to us, what are they seeing about our God? Grumbling or complaining is words spoken often under our breath, or it may be a murmur or a mutter, or often it's in the form of gossip. And often linked with uh, arguing and contentious and quarrelsome spirits. And if we're honest with ourselves and with one another, many of us probably wake up in the morning ready to complain. And then we continue to complain throughout the day when things kind of annoy us. Now, of course, we don't always call it complaining. We'll call it venting. I'm just being honest getting something off my chest, or or here's one. We'll use the phrase, no offense, but I use that one. I know we all do. Or we'll disguise our complaint as sharing a prayer request or under the disguise of humor and a joke. And would you agree that when we are complaining, we so often want to share our complaints with others we don't keep our complaints to ourselves. We verbally share our complaints more often than we verbally share our blessings and joys. I challenge you to count it in a given day or maybe in an hour or whatever. Wait till after service. <laughs> no complaining. <laughs> Grumbling or complaining is considered a sin of the tongue. And the biblical writers, such as Solomon in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, or, or James in the New Testament book of, of the book by his uh, James as well, they tell us about sins that come from our tongue. And they put it right up there with um, murder and adultery and stealing. This is brutal stuff, folks. So you've got to wonder then, I mean, why does Paul say to do everything without grumbling or arguing? Is this too high an expectation and too high a standard for each of us? To me, it seems to be. Well, before... You get to, before we get too far, and before you think, I'm up here complaining, I think it might be important to explain the difference between complaining and lamenting. Scripture includes several laments to God, especially some of the Psalms that cry out to God, asking God, are you even there? And if Scripture includes lamenting, which is sort of a complaint, right? You'd probably say, I'd say, then lamenting must be okay. This kind of complaining must be okay. And yet we're told not to complain. Author and pastor Tim Challies suggests that the difference in complaining and lamenting is in our posture, in our attitude. Are we coming before God and one another in a posture or attitude of humility? Or are we coming before God and even one another in a posture or attitude of arrogance? It's like, I know better. And I'm going to tell you what I know. When we cry out to God in humility, it's crying out to God, not necessarily, uh, uh, probably not liking this situation, but understanding that he has got things in his control and that he will use these circumstances as messy and, and, and t- t- challenging as they might be, but he's going to use them for his glory, for his good. And God will accept our laments and humility we can cry out to him on account of COVID-19 and maybe not even understand why this is happening. And we don't have to like it. We don't like it, but do understand that God's got things under his control. When we complain in arrogance, we're coming in an imposture that we're letting God know that we're ticked. So it starts off similar to the lament, but that we're going to figure out the answer ourselves. We'll try to control the situation. We're not acknowledging that God has actually things under his control. In fact, complaining is not only about having a posture of arrogance, but it also involves a bit of unbelief. We won't trust God and be able to see that God's going to use things for his good and for his glory, even when we don't like it. Again, this statement about grumbling is occurring in the context of working out our salvation. So as we strive to not complain or argue, God continues to be at work in us. And he is fulfilling his good purpose. When we complain, we're falling into the trap of temptation. That we kind of don't believe God in all that he does. And believe, we just believe maybe even that God is at work in us. And all this goes back to Paul's statement in chapter 1 verse 27. We talked about that last week as well. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So you've got to understand, or try to understand, I guess, God must really hate complaining. Not the complainers, but the act of complaining. And if so, why do we continue to do it so often? Well, again, it goes back to that first complaint in the scriptures with Adam. You're right, the devil made him do it. Satan is our enemy. Satan would love nothing more to see people complain and represent the church of Jesus Christ in a negative and and destructive way. When we get caught up in arguing or complaining, we're missing opportunities of of the gospel message to be proclaimed and people entering into the relationship with their Lord and Savior. And Satan thrives on those missed opportunities. Please do not hear me wrong, though. There are times to lament to God. And there are times we also need to honestly face problems and difficulties in humility and not dismiss things with blind optimism, saying that everything's okay when it's not. But we also need to be aware of becoming pessimistic complainers, whiny gossips, or people of dissension. And let's be real, forms of social media are wonderful outlets to receive our complaints. Parents will complain about their children, children about their parents. Workers complain about their boss. Make sure your boss isn't a friend with you on Facebook. Youth complain about their BFFs. People will uh, complain about the government or the church, and churches will even complain about each other. However and whenever we begin to complain, ask ourselves this, am I going against God's goodwill? And if so, what is working in me? To go against God's goodwill. What desire is in me resulting in me to complain rather than desire Jesus Christ and His message and proclaiming His message? You see, complaining is not always related to something out there, it's not always related to something external and beyond our control. But complaining often has to do with something in here. Something in our hearts. Something that can be changed by God if we allow him. Because God's at work in us. So work out our salvation. Again, the purpose for us to work out our salvation, the purpose for us not to complain and argue, is so that Jesus can use us for his purposes, for his glory, so that others can see God at work in us. Or as Paul states in verse 15, that we will shine in this warped and crooked generation like stars. A complaining Christian is a poor witness. And Paul says, don't be Christians who whine, but be Christians who shine. I've said that line before. God is working in you according to his good purpose. So that others will see you shine in this dark world. And there are many out there today who see this as a very dark world. And people of God, we have the opportunity to shine. The church, you people, have the opportunity to shine. Even while we don't gather here on Sunday mornings, we still continue to shine as His church. I think most of us can appreciate a shining star in the dark night. It's so far away, and yet shining so brightly millions of miles away and yet so visible and how often don't you look in the sky and you just point that out and you share it with others even and if we can shine like stars in this dark world then we too can be visible to so many people because stars really stand out in the darkness and multiple stars even so much more Now we don't shine. You don't shine to impress parents or teachers, a boyfriend or girlfriend or, or anybody in the church or in the community. You shine to bring glory to the Lord so that others will give God the glory. Psalm 148, verse 3, we read these words from the psalmist, Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. So just as the sun and the moon and the stars are shining and praising God, we too are called to be shining stars, praising God, giving Him the glory. And if we do nothing about our complaining and arguing and we are not the shining stars that Paul challenges us to be, we actually then appear to be a falling star that's on its way to being extinguished. So people of God, let's not fall into that temptation of complaining and arguing. People of God, know that God is at work in you. You have the Holy Spirit of Jesus in you. And that's the same spirit of Jesus in you that rose Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in you. That's powerful stuff. That's energizing stuff. So let's be glad and rejoice. Shine like stars. Make Jesus known to others. We rejoice that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that he died for us, that he, he rose for us, that he offers us forgiveness for all our sins. And that's something to rejoice about. Not to complain. And when we do end up complaining and arguing, and we will, God has taken those sins upon him at the cross. And when we do make a mess out of things, and we will, it's not reason to be shamed. It's reason to be thankful and rejoice because those sins have been forgiven at the cross. And we get a clean start at things. So continue to work out your salvation not complaining, not arguing, rather being glad and rejoicing in the name of Jesus. And again, we do none of this on our own. It's Christ who's already at work in us, using us to shine His glory and His gospel in our life for His good purposes. To God be the glory, and together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Holy, awesome, mighty God, Early in the service, we confess that we fall short, but you don't. And you continue to work in us so that we will be people who work out our salvation and people who will shine our lights to others. So continue your work in us so that we will be people who share the love of Christ. And there are times that we complain, and perhaps those times are too often. But continue to extend your grace and your spirit into our lives so that we will strive to bring you honor and glory in all things. Thank you for your many blessings of church and family, friends, community, and neighbors. We thank you for all your many blessings, for your creation, for your word, for your son, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful gift you have given to us through your son. We thank you for opportunities for each of us to serve you, wherever you call us today or this week, to be the church. Lord, we pray, too, for those among us who need a measure of your healing grace. You know the mentioned needs of your people, and you know the unmentioned needs. You know what physical, mental, and emotional challenges your people are going through. Work in each person to bring healing, but also a knowledge of your presence and the community of the saints. We pray for those who've had, been, had treatments and procedures postponed, and trust that, that that will be coming in due time again on account of COVID-19. And we pray for those who are impacted in other ways, with loss of life or employment or separation and isolation. We pray for those who are feeling lonely and feel sometimes that there's nowhere to turn. May we be people of grace and love, no matter the circumstances and the messiness of life that surrounds us and surrounds others. Lord, we lift up your people. We lift up their families and all their concerns to you. You bring restoration to all of us. And above all, you restore us, standing before you through your Son, Jesus. We continue to pray for our governments with decisions on finances and reopening. And may we be a part of a country that encourages health and safety and that together we will work on the growth of the economy and the growth of your churches, your kingdom. We pray for our world and the suffering and the turmoil that continually occurs in this community, this country, and in this world. Be near to your people. Restore your people. Restore your world. Help us to be aware of all that's going on in this world and help us to continue to be the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus to a hurting world and a hurting people and to see Jesus at work in others as well. We pray this only in the name of Jesus. Amen.